The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. I was waiting a long time to tell this story. And this is a special group tonight, so I'm going to say it. This past trip that I took to Israel, I got such a wake-up call. Such a powerful wake-up call. You know, over the years, I've gone to Israel many times. And it's been the love of my life. My wife tells me that she wants to send me to one of those support groups for addicts. She wants to know, is there an AAA group for Israel holics? Because my husband's an addict. She's, you know, she tells it to me all the time. And I, she might be right. She might be right. And every time I go to Israel, I try to find something new that I never did before. So that trip will have one highlight that had a chidush that never that I experienced before. I waited two years. I, I counted down the days through Corona to finally make it back to Eretz Yisrael. And you don't know how emotional it was for me. When I got back there, I was thanking Hashem on every step, I'm telling you. It was wild. I, 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 was, like, yeah, I, was, like, I was like pinching myself. I couldn't believe. It's like, you know, am I really here? This time... I turned to my wife, we landed, I got the rent-a-car, I drove right up north, straight from the airport. I went that night straight to Tiberias, to Tveria. I wanted to do the north first, because I wanted to end this trip in Yerushalayim, because I wanted to stay at the end of the trip, Shabbat in Yerushalayim, in the old city by the Kotel. So I wanted to do this time the north first. So I wanted to run up there and do Rebbeir Balanes, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. I wanted to go to the Rambam. I wanted to go to the greats, the Arizal's Mikveh, and see if I can brave it at sub-decree temperatures and see if I can actually get under that water a few more times than the last time I've been there. You know, I, I have a certain count of reminding me, you know, last time I did it 11 times, this time I'm going to push it to 18, you know, big number, big number, big number. I actually, I took out a book on the divers, how they breathe, going up and down the water in sub-degree temperatures to see, maybe I can grab, maybe, 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 I know, but I come from warm countries, this is difficult. Look at the color of my skin, you understand what I'm saying? So maybe, maybe I can just pull off another few dunks in the Arizal's mikveh, it's already worth it. So we went up north. That night we stayed in Tveria. And that night, I dropped off my wife by the hotel. I went straight up the mountain to Rebmeir Balanes. I come into Rabbi Meir. Oh. As I'm walking into Rebmeir Balanes's kever, I'm literally like a drunken man. I'm screaming out the famous words of Rebmeir in the Gemara. Banim atem lashem elokechem. No matter what a Jew does, he's still God's son. Because a son is a son is a son and will always be your son. No matter what. That was Remeir. One of the only times in Shasta we Paskin like him. I walked into his grave singing, although it sounded more like screaming, his words as I came up to his grave. And I etched myself right in between the part that says, Aneni, Aneni. I stuck myself in between the two Anenis. And I said, Aneni! And 
And I started to dive and I prayed my heart out. Wow, what an beat that I had that night. Woo! Telling you, Ni'ilah. <laughs> I was between the two Ananis. You know what I'm saying? When you walk in between the two Ananis, <laughs> my friend, do me a favor. And you know, Rameir was buried standing up. He was buried standing up because he gave great honor to the Jewish people. So they buried him, in, and according to one of the opinions, they buried him standing up in order to demonstrate that he gave honor to the Jewish people as if to stand up to show someone kavod. Could you imagine standing in between the two Ananis? Rameir is buried standing up. You could be looking him right in the eye. Obviously, he's much further down. I'm just saying, but in, in the mind's eye of creativity, of imagination. And I was diving my heart out. That was an arbit. And then after that, I said all my prayers in Bakashot. And, and, and right there, I screamed, Elaha Demeir Aneni! Aneni, Aneni, Aneni! And I'm standing between the two Anenis. Aneni, answer me! I finished that Arbit, and I said to myself, Woohoo! Tomorrow morning, I'm waking up before sunrise, and I'm coming back to pray Vatikin by Reb Meir. Reb Meir's on the top of the mountain. The sun comes up, and you're on top of the mountain. As the water comes over the Kinneret, it's a magnificent scene, very emotional, very moving. So I said to myself, tomorrow, Rameir. Hashem had a different plan. Hashem had a different plan. The next morning I wake up at 5.30 and I drive out to Rameir. I come up to the Kever. I could not believe my eyes. It was locked. How could you lock Rameir Balanes? I mean, what's the deal? In my day, years ago as a Bahur, we would come to Rameir Balanes two, three, four, five o'clock in the morning. It was always uh, Sameach. You know, they always had that flea market in the front. There was always people. I mean, it was always, always uh, Yom Tov over there. What's going on? It's locked with a gate. And then I saw there's a sign in Hebrew right off the side of the gate. And it said the big words, due to Corona, this holy site will be closed from gatherings and so on and so forth. Public, only open between the hours of. And it said over there like, I don't know, 8 to 8 or you know, whatever it was. You know, tourist hours, you know, not praying hours necessarily, necessarily you know. <clears throat> I'm stuck. Where am I going to pray? I thought to myself, where should I go? I said, you know what? I remember that if I can't go to the student, maybe I can go to the Rebbe. Rebbe Akiva, the Rebbe of Rameer Balanes. I said, hey, Rebbe Akiva is right next to a yeshiva. Over there, there are people round the clock. I mean, there's a yeshiva there. They probably don't lock that one up. So I jump back into the car and I put into the ways. Kever Rebbe Akiva. And then the G started talking to me in Hebrew. I'm saying, wow, that's pretty cool. And when you get there, she says, He got the Kever Rebbe Akiva. I said, wow, that's, that's really that's very good. I'm going to be Mikarev, the, uh, the ways. Uh, 
So we, I went down the road, I came up to the mountain of Rabbi Akiva. I came up there and sure enough, the kever was open because the kever of Rabbi Akiva is placed on the inside of a shul. They built a shul around the tomb of Rabbi Akiva. Now, the actual kever of Rabbi Akiva is down underneath, where people sometimes sit on the bottom. But the actual matseva, meaning the stone, the tombstone, on the kever of Rabbi Akiva was actually built in the middle of a shul. Or maybe the shul was built around the tombstone. So you're in shul, leaning on Rabbi Akiva. Like similar to the Rajbi, right? Where you're praying in a shul with the kever right next to you. So I started praying. As I come in, I see there's a minyan there of exactly 10 guys. And they're all dressed in white from head to toe. I was the only colored man in the room. And they all turned around and looked at me when I walked in. And I was like... <coughs> right? I was like... And they looked at me like, who is this guy? Where did he come from? I said, Shalom, Shalom. I started putting my tefillin. I started praying with them. It was a minyan of tzaddikim and mekubalim. Later on, I started realizing that these guys aren't regular guys. But I came as yashir. They started dancing around the amud, the bima, as if they were going around. I never saw that before. On a regular day. They were going, the whole shul, all the guys, they went around singing the Az Yashir, walking around in a circle as if they were crossing the Yam. I mean, I never saw that before. I joined. I, I got across with them, I'm saying. And then when it came time, we finished, and then it hit me. I said to myself, wait one second. Rabbi Akiva died <coughs> saying the words, Shema Yisrael. Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad Yatsa Nishmato Be'ehad It's the famous Gemara in the ninth Perik of Berachot where the Romans came and they raked off his skin one of the ten Asara Haruge Malchut and as he was dying he screamed Shema Yisrael and his Nishama left when he said the word Ehad I'm about to say Shema Yisrael now I'm, I'm, I'm Mil Shahri I'm saying Shema Yisrael next to Rabbi Akiva, the one that died saying Shema Yisrael, Hashem Al-Yurahat. I got so worked up just on that thought that the minute I came to Shema Yisrael and I was actually leaning on Rabbi Akiva's tomb, I don't know what overcame me. I, I just screamed it. Shema Yisrael, Hashem Al-Yurahat. Baruch, Just then I opened my eyes and the whole show. <laughs> <laughs> Who's this nut from America? But it was very moving. But that was nothing compared to what was just about to happen now. As we finished the Shema, I didn't realize. They were coming up now to Amidah Vatikin of sunrise. The walls of this shul are all made out of glass. And you have no idea because they're covered by curtains. But when it comes to the moment of sunrise Vatikin, right when they finish Shema, coming up to Amidah with two minutes left, the Gabai walks up and he pulls back 
all the curtains and all you're looking at is the kit because the Rabbi Akiva is on top of the mountain. You're looking at the Kinneret. You're looking at the whole world. And at the minute of sunrise, you take three steps back and the sun comes up over the water and it's not in the air. It's right across from you. And the sun comes into that room and it's a blinding light and the whole room fills up with light in an incredible it was so powerful i couldn't pray i couldn't pray it was too much it was like it was wow the room was lit it was illuminated i, I had to catch myself and then finally i i, I got used to it a moment i started my amidah then I finished praying. And just when I finished praying, and everybody else finished praying, two guys walk up to me. They say, Shalom Aleichem, where are you from? I said, I'm from Brooklyn. Oh, from Brooklyn, Kolakavod. And they start asking me from what community? And I start telling them our community. Oh, we know people in your community. And we start talking back and forth. And as we're talking, the doors to the shul of Rabbi Akiva opens. And in walks an older man, and he screams in Hebrew, Ani takua, which means like, I'm stuck, I'm stuck, help me, Tazruli, help me. Makara, seemed that they knew who this guy was. Seemed that this guy's part of the minyan, he was also dressed in white, he just didn't show up that day to shul. But now he comes walking and he's screaming, and the guy's like literally crying. And he says, save me, help me. He says, they're coming today, the Iriyah is coming today to shut off my water, to shut off my electric. I need 1,200 shekel. I need to go down there and pay them before they come down to my house. They're going to shut off everything, my wife, my kids. And the people are talking to him, Tiraga, it's okay, don't worry. It's Hashem, it's going to work out. And they're trying to calm him. One guy walks up to me and says, listen, you just came from America. Could you help him? We know this guy. He's a tzaddik. And he told, us, told me from which town he came from in the old country. Very hush of a family. And he's a chazan, this guy. And they know him from the community. I said, you guys know him? He said, yeah. The night before when I landed, so you know when you get to Israel, when you get to Israel, the first thing you generally do is just quickly change some money, small money, because you don't know the rates and you don't know who trusts and who not and this and that. So quickly, the night before when I landed, I quickly changed $200, which happened to have been 600 shekel, because the dollar is these days. I mean, I'm talking, those days are over. Remember the 3.5, 4 shekel days? No, habubu. Those days are gone. You know, God bless Biden. Okay, but, but you know, those days are gone. Three shekel. We're getting slaughtered. Slaughtered. All right, $200. Quickly, I just changed the steps out of my pocket. So I had already from the night before, 600 shekel. I'm thinking to myself, the guy needs 1,200 shekel. I said, listen, I pulled, my, I pulled out all I got. That's all I had on me was 600 shekel. The dollars I left at home, I, I walk around with the shekel. What am I going to do? I pulled out the shekel. I said, listen, Yeshli, Sheshmot shekel. I have 600 shekel. I'll get you halfway there. There's everything I have. I handed to Central. Oh, the guy was crying and he gave me a kiss. Thank you. You don't know you saved my family. No, no. And sure enough, he said to me, I'm stuck, but you got me halfway. And he goes around to the other people in the shul and they start helping him trying to get the other half. 
After that, he gives me a bracha, and I left. I get back into the car, I drive back to the hotel in Tveria. I don't know if you guys know the hotels in Tveria, they're not exactly the most high line. They're still old, old hotels, right? This hotel I'm staying in, the Leonardo Plaza, was once called the uh, Golden Tulip. They should have left it the Golden <laughs> Tulip. <laughs> yeah, they should have left it. They, they called it the Plaza. They think suddenly they can charge you another 150 bucks a night, but it's the same Golden Tulip. It's the same ballet. Anyway, so I came into the hotel and I'm going to wake up my wife to tell her to come down for breakfast. We stay by this hotel because it has a good hatcher. And I'm waiting. And I'm waiting. Where is the elevator already? You know, we're on the eighth floor. Where's the elevator? So finally, the door to the most right opens up the third elevator. So I run up to it. I jump into the elevator. The door closes and I start going up. Five. Six, all of a sudden the elevator stops. I'm thinking, why is the elevator stopping? I'm on the eighth floor. And then it drops a little. I said, uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then it gives a second push. And he starts going up a drop. And then I said, uh oh. And then I said, come on, come on, you can do it, you can do it. You know. I know I can, I know, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. I said, uh oh, this is just not good. This elevator is older than me. <laughs> now this elevator was the size of the old phone booths. It was like this. Now I don't have anxiety. And I don't have fear of, of, of but I don't know why. I started getting a little anxious. I mean, I'm stuck in this thing. I don't have a phone on me because my American phone didn't work and I didn't get an Israeli phone yet. It's the first morning I'm there. I can't even call. The hotel is empty because it's off season, so no one even knows I'm here. My wife is out cold sleeping and for all she thinks, I'm by Rib Mayer. The thing goes, doom. And it goes up and down and up and down. And then it stops. This is such an old elevator. I'm looking for the alarm button, the red one. Yeah. Mafi. It's just the open and the close. It's like the old phones. Oh, I'm stuck. I'm stuck in between floors. I'm banging, I'm banging, I'm banging on the door. And call the N on it. I could be here for hours. And your brain, your mind starts playing such horrific scenes. You're going to be here for the rest of your life. I start thinking about the famous story of I forgot who it was that got locked in his safe and he died from hunger because no one knew he went in. And, 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 I'm, and I'm thinking about all the worst case scenarios. The guy in the slaughterhouse that went into the big a refrigerator and the door locked behind. I, I know the stories. That's the problem. And all those and I'm thinking that's it. I'm never getting out of here for the rest of my life. And I'm thinking, is this the way I'm going to go? Really? I mean, this is this. I mean, at least, you know, something dramatic. This is the way I'm going to go. And I'm banging on the door. I'm banging. I stopped. Wait a second. Get a hold of yourself. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Hashem! Abba, no one can save me now but you. No one knows I'm here. No one knows. 
The hotel's out to lunch. My wife is out cold sleeping. There's no one in these floors. The place was an empty ghost town. It's in Tveria in the end of January. Said Hashem, I have no one else but you. No one else can save me but you. I'm relying on only you to save me. I'm telling you. And I said it again. Abba, save me. No one else. I don't even have a phone to call anyone. No one else can save me. Just then, the thing doom, starts jumping up. And from the two doors, just as the moment that I felt I was stuck, one door opens and I see the floor, the floor of the next floor by my nose and it was open about that big. And I said to myself, wow, just as I screamed, I'm stuck. I remembered that old man back in the shul that screamed, he was stuck. And just as I gave him the 600 shekel, which got him halfway, Hashem says, I'll get you halfway. One door opened. I kicked off the back of the wall. I squeezed my way out, threw that thing onto the floor. I pulled my koracha in with me. I ran like a banshee. <laughs> Yelling and screaming. There was nobody there to hear me. I ran up the stairs for the rest of my trip in this hotel. I used the stairs. Could you imagine going up eight flights? I banged on my wife's. I woke up. I said, you have no idea what just happened to me. And she said, really? We just got here. <laughs> we just got here. I said, but you don't get it. The guy in the shul, he screamed, I'm stuck. I gave him 600 out of the 1200 shekel. Minutes later, I'm in the elevator. I screamed, Hashem, I'm stuck. And he opened up one door. I get you halfway. I just wanted to show you that nobody exists in this world to help you other than me. Thank you for listening. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire.org.